Let's uh, pray as we prepare to have a look at that passage together. Uh, Keep praying with me, please. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you that in your word, the Bible, you do reveal to us the truth about yourself, the truth of your plan of salvation, how your salvation uh, works, how we can be saved through Christ and what that means for our lives and for the life of your body, the church. Help us to understand more of this as we uh, read, this, read your word this morning. And uh, we pray that we might, might help us to grow in maturity as followers of Jesus. Help us to grow in our ability to uh, bring glory to you, Lord, as your people. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the world is full of mysteries, uh, all manner of unexplained phenomena. The Bermuda Triangle... Why do so many ships and planes go missing in this uh, one particular area of ocean? Uh, What does a black hole actually look like? We theorise their existence, but we don't know what they look like. Uh, Who killed JFK? What happened to Harold Holt? How does a bee manage to fly? Scientists haven't figured that one out yet. Uh, How did the Egyptians actually build the pyramids? There are several theories, but no one actually knows. Uh, All of those are mysteries beyond our uh, personal experience. Uh, There are more everyday mysteries as well. Why do people put their dirty clothes on the floor next to the laundry basket instead of in the laundry basket? (laughs) I mean, it's not that far, is it? The floor is there, the basket's there, but the dirty clothes... Sorry, I get a bit passionate about that one because the laundry's uh, my my job in our household, so... (laughs) Um, why do children have tantrums at the dinner table when they've got spaghetti bolognese in front of them? Spaghetti bolognese, don't have a tantrum, just eat, enjoy. Um, and why, no matter how many times you reach into the bundle of socks, why do you keep pulling out the wrong one every time? Why is it always the, the, the one you're looking for is the last one you find? The world is full of mysteries. Life is full of mysteries some of which we may never understand. (laughs) Uh, But Paul speaks of a mystery in Ephesians chapter 3, and the word mystery here has perhaps a slightly different meaning to what we're used to. It's a mystery that has already been revealed to us. Even in the book of Ephesians, as we read, the mystery we read about today has already been revealed. It's a mystery that it's more like a secret that was kept for a time and has now been revealed. Uh, It's a mystery that has been revealed to the apostles and prophets by the Spirit, Paul says, and the truth of which has been passed on to us. Uh, Have a read of the first six verses again with me of chapter 3, Ephesians 3, verses 1 to 6. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I've already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as as it has been uh, now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. 
the mystery uh, of the gospel. Through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. The Gentiles are included in salvation. Uh, the, the body God is making, his body, the church, is a body of people united in Christ from all nations. Uh, this is the mystery, the secret that has been revealed. Paul's elaborating on what he's already said in chapter 2. Uh, have a flick back to Ephesians 2, verses 12 to 13. We looked at this last week. Paul says, Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. I had a look at that passage last week. And, and not only that, but Paul started his letter uh, back, back in chapter 1, uh, revealing the, the truth of this mystery. Even by this point in the letter, Paul's readers already know that the truth of this mystery he's revealing. They've, they've heard it described, read it described twice already. Ephesians 1, uh, from the second half of verse 8. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfilment, to bring to, uh, unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Uh, this mystery uh, is about the inclusion of the Gentiles, the unity of God's people in Christ. And you, you might ask yourself as you, you read it, well, yeah, how, secret, how secret was it really? Uh, the Old Testament talked about the Gentiles receiving salvation, uh, we looked at a few passages last week that show that. Jesus confirmed God's plan when he spoke of the inclusion of the Gentiles in the Great Commission. Jesus sends the disciples to the nations. So what was so secret about it? Why does Paul describe it as such a mystery? Well, the mystery is perhaps largely in the scale and nature of what God has done, in just how he has brought about his plan of salvation. Again, uh, I've been reading, as I mentioned last week, I've been reading John Stott's Ephesians commentary, uh, and Stott describes it this way. What neither the Old Testament nor Jesus revealed was the radical nature of God's plan, which was that the theocracy, the Jewish nation under God's rule, would be terminated and replaced by a new international community, the church, that this church would be the body of Christ organically united to him and that Jews and Gentiles would be incorporated into Christ and his church on equal terms without any distinction. One new body united to each other and united to Christ. A startling truth that, well, when revealed at the time, caused massive conflict and it took decades for Jews and Gentiles to figure out just how they could live together. This was a change that affected every part of their lives, their culture and society. Jew and, Gentile sh Jew and Gentile sharing equally in the promises of God. Heirs together, members together of one body in Christ. And so Paul reveals uh, here for the third time in, in his book, in his letter, this mystery of salvation. It's a, as a mystery, look, in the end, and certainly to us today, it's not very mysterious. He's telling us exactly what it is. At least it's not mysterious in the way that we often think of mysteries. And if it's a secret, it's not been very well kept now. And that's the very point. This is a secret that was destined to be told at the right time. 
the truth is revealed as the fulfillment of the gospel comes about. Uh, the time for this mystery to be revealed was with the birth, death, the resurrection and ascension of Jesus and with the, the apostolic teaching that would flow from that time. Uh, Paul goes on to describe his role in the unveiling of this mystery. Paul the servant uh, bringing the gospel to the nations. Ephesians 3 verses 7 to 9, follow along with me there. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. Paul speaks about the privilege of preaching the gospel. He, he talks about it, notice there uh, in verse 8, as this grace given to him that he might preach to the Gentiles. The fact that he, least of all God's people, gets to preach the gospel, the, the, the privilege of preaching the boundless riches of Christ, as he describes there. Like Paul, we, we ought to see evangelism as a privilege. Uh, there is incentive to evangelism in these verses. Uh, first of all, how can we not share such a boundless grace? Uh, verse 8 describes the overflowing abundance of riches in Christ. It's more than, more than enough uh, in God's grace in Christ, more than enough for everyone. How could we not share it? Uh, images come to mind of Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> Sitting on vast mountains of gold. Did you ever read the Scrooge McDuck comic books or uh, see, see the, the Disney cartoons on TV? Uh, buildings full of gold, keeping it all for himself and doing nothing with it for anyone, so, uh, for anyone else. We're sitting on far more than that as Christians when it comes to the gospel. The boundless riches of Christ. Surely we cannot keep it to ourselves. Uh, we've got to share the good news, let Christ's riches flow to those in need. Uh, we also see here in verse 9 that uh, proclaiming the gospel is the means by which God reveals this truth. When we speak the truth of the gospel, when we share uh, our faith with another person, we're putting before them very truth from God. It's God's power in the revealing of this mystery. It's not, not about our wise words or clever argument. We don't have to worry about exactly what we'll say or whether it comes out sounding a bit strange, perhaps not as good as the way someone else would say it. Because the gospel is spirit-empowered truth from God. That's what was happening as Paul preached the gospel and that's the power behind the gospel when we share it today. However well or poorly we think we've done, doesn't matter. We have the privilege God uses us to share his powerful message of salvation. You can give me a little round of applause if you like there. That was, yeah. <laughs> what was, actually, I'm not going to boast in that. That was just luck. That was, yeah, sorry. What was God doing in the revealing of this mystery? Uh, Paul has the privilege of preaching to the Gentiles, the, the boundless riches of Christ, uh, the, the, the secret of this mystery revealed. What's God doing in the revealing of this mystery? What was his intention 
in all of this? Well, it's partly this, and, and here, the newly created body, the church, has a marvellous purpose, to reveal God's plan to the heavenly realms. Uh, isn't it amazing? I find it amazing to think that when we learn of the gospel, when we become part of this gospel uh, message, part of this plan of salvation, that, that we're part of something that we know something even the angelic beings didn't know when God brought this about. Ephesians 3, verses 10 to 12, uh, Paul says there, His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Uh, the Apostle Peter backs up Paul on this one, Peter 1, verses 10 to 12. Concerning this salvation... The prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. In his body, in the, the church, this, this new body that God has created, this new humanity, uh, the wisdom of God is made known. And the angels in heaven, even they look on in amazement as God's plan was revealed. They were, they were perhaps like, you might think of them as servants uh, watching adopted children join a household or like members, say, say, of the Prime Minister's security detail, observing the inner workings of the family. God's revelation of this mystery of salvation, bringing together this new body of Christ, the church, this very act has made known his, his manifold wisdom to the heavenly realms. Now, when chapter 3, verse 10, speaks of the manifold wisdom of God, uh, the Greek word for manifold means many-coloured. Uh, it's a word also used to describe flowers, crowns, embroidered cloth, woven carpets. Uh, the church is this uniquely diverse yet unified body of people that testifies to God's goodness and love and wisdom. Uh, again, I think John Stott describes it well. A couple of quotes from him here. Uh, he says, the coming into existence of the church as a community of saved and reconciled people is at one and the same time a public demonstration of God's power, grace, and wisdom. Uh, and then he says, the church as a multiracial, multicultural community is like a beautiful tapestry. Its members come from a wide range of colourful backgrounds and no other human community resembles it. Its diversity and harmony are unique it is God's new society and the many-coloured fellowship of the church is a reflection of the many-coloured wisdom of God. There's no body of people on earth like the church. Uh, the very existence of the church shows the world and shows the heavenly realms the wisdom of God. 
And we are a people uh, who now, as God's saved people, can approach God with freedom and confidence uh, in Christ. Through faith in Christ, Paul says, and there's that phrase, he's continued to use it uh, through this chapter, in Christ, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Uh, free from the sin that would previously have condemned us before a holy God. And confident because we come through faith in Christ, not faith in ourselves. We're supplied for by the boundless riches of Christ. Everything that was needed has been done and we can come confidently to God. Not fumbling around for our wallet hoping we can afford the entrance fee. But knowing, knowing that's all been paid for. <laughs> we can just walk Right up to God. In verse 13, Paul says uh, he serves the gospel despite his suffering. Uh, what could be a more worthy purpose? Certainly in Paul's mind, nothing. Uh, in verse 1, Paul mentioned that he's a prisoner for the sake of the gospel. Here he says he is suffering, and that doesn't matter. Ephesians most likely is written by Paul while in jail. Uh, but he simply speaks of the privilege of preaching the gospel. All that matters is that the gospel goes out and the Gentiles are brought in. And so Paul goes on to pray for the Ephesians in the, uh, the, the last few verses, the second half of this chapter. He goes on to pray for the Ephesians in grandiose terms. Uh, all of this revelation of God's will for his people, the revealing of the truth of his plan of salvation, this all forms the foundation of Paul's prayer for his people, for God's people. God's goodness and power and love what motivate Paul's prayers for God's people. Uh, have a read from uh, chapter 3, uh, verse 14. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. A quick question, isn't Christ already dwelling in their hearts by faith? Why does Paul pray for that if he's already said they are God's holy people, one body in Christ? Well, I think his prayer is that the Ephesians might know this reality. More firmly, he prays they be strengthened by the Spirit. He prays they would lay hold more and more firmly to the truth of the gospel. There's more to being a Christian than just becoming a Christian. There's more to grasp and learn and, and mature as Christians as we grow in our faith. Throughout life, we keep growing in our knowledge of God, our love for God. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3, from the middle of verse 17 there, uh, have a look at the second part of Paul's prayer. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, uh, to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. It seems that maybe there's still something of a mystery uh, here in this passage. To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. I don't know if you've grasped all of that yet, <laughs> the extent of, of Christ's love. I, I haven't understood it all yet. Can't wait to get to heaven. Uh, 
To know this love that surpasses knowledge, Paul says. How can you know something that surpasses knowledge? (laughs) Well, as humans, we simply have to rely on God to understand his love. Uh, That's why Paul prays this prayer for the Ephesians. See, I mean, as humans, we're we're limited. But God is not. Uh, As humans, we have to understand our limits, but we rely on God to understand him. Uh, an example of human limitations, I, I know that uh, for myself, uh, I probably couldn't do a tri- triathlon anytime soon. Okay? When I think of, I see it on TV or something, I see people doing a tri- triathlon, I think, look, I, I couldn't just go ahead and do that. Why? Because I would drown. <laughs> I would drown. I'd be fine on the bike leg. Uh, I'd manage the run if it wasn't too long. But when it came to the swim leg, I'd go under, uh, I don't know, maybe... A couple of hundred metres in, probably. And so you won't find me entering any triathlons uh, anytime soon, not until I've done some training. Uh, I've got better increase my swim fitness quite a bit. I, I just know my limitations. God has no limitations. Uh, God is not limited. The, the, the riches of Christ are boundless. His love goes forever in every direction. His love surpasses knowledge. The Bible describes many times the the limitless nature of God. Have a look at a few verses from the the psalm uh, we read at the start of the service. Psalm 103, uh, verses 8 to 12. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbour his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Have a look as well, a few verses down, verses 15 to 18. The life of mortals is like grass. We're comparing the nature of people with the nature of God here. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The unlimited uh, love of God from everlasting to everlasting. Uh, Job's friend Zophar the Namathite, uh, he says something true. Uh, Job 11, verses 7 to 9, Can you fathom the mysteries of God? Can you probe the limits of the Almighty? They are higher than the heavens above. What can you do? They are deeper than the depths below. What can you know? Their measure is longer than the earth and wider than the sea. Um, the prophet Isaiah with some words that may be familiar to you, Isaiah 59, verses 6 to 9. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on them, and to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so... Um, my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And we see there uh, God's unlimited power and might linked with his willingness to to forgive, to pardon for sin. 
God knows no limits. And Paul prays that we would know this God, that we might be filled, filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That is, Paul prays that we would become more and more like Christ. Uh, He'll say something very similar again in chapter 4. He talks there of those who Christ has given the church, those given the church to equip the people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Until when? Uh, Well, Ephesians 4, verses 13 to 15. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. We're going to look some more next week. We come to chapter 4 next week and look some more uh, what Paul says about the maturing of his people, the growing uh, in maturity in Christ, the building up of the body uh, that God has in mind for us. Uh, For now, we're going to finish with chapter 3, dwelling on the limitless love of God in Christ. Uh, Finish by being reminded of what it means to be one body in Christ. The church is... This one body in Christ, we are the product, the expression of God's plan of salvation. Uh, We even school the angels on the mystery revealed in Christ. And we have the privilege of taking this gospel truth, the revealed mystery of salvation, to all the world. Uh, Many mysteries in life may never be solved. We may never know what a black hole looks like. Uh, We may never know exactly how the Egyptians went about building the pyramids. We may never know why people don't just put the dirty laundry in the basket. (laughs) But we know God's plan of salvation. This is one mystery that has been well and truly revealed. And here at the end of chapter 3, Paul finishes by reminding us of the God who brought us this plan. He tells us a little more of the God he prays to, the God whose eternal love we might grasp and understand. And if anyone can help us know this God and his great love, of course, it's God himself. He can do it because he can do everything we might ever ask of him and more. And all the glory, therefore, belongs to him. Read the last two verses there with me. Ephesians 3, verses 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we praise you. You are a mighty and powerful God, more mighty, more powerful, more loving than we can understand. And yet you reveal the truth about yourself to us. You reveal to us the mystery of salvation. You reveal to us the the truth that all people can be included in salvation through faith in Christ. You reveal to us your plan for creating uh, this body, the church, in Christ. 
We praise you for this mystery that has been revealed, Lord. We praise you and we ask that you help us, Lord. Help us to grow in maturity in Christ. Help us to grow as the body, uh, the church. Help us to grow in our maturity, our knowledge of you, our love for you as we learn more of you, as we understand more of your love, as we live more in your love. And as we share this love with the world around us, help us to grow as your body, the church. Help us to grow that you might be glorified, Lord. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name for your glory. Amen.